0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 6 of This Black Bear Has 28 Minutes, a Kootenai Arts and Culture podcast. This podcast is brought to you by an amazing team of students of the Sucker College Creative Writing Program, alongside amazing collaborators from across the Kootenais. I'm Tara May Box.
1: And I'm Cody Bruner, and we'll be your hosts for today. If you're looking for ways to connect and get inspired in the Kootenays and beyond during ongoing COVID times, look no further. Each episode features interviews, readings, reflections, and more. This episode is an electric mix of an interview and dramatic readings. We'll start with Bree Harwood interviewing Terry Chu on the influence of feline companionship and social media on writing, followed by a radio play written by creative writing student Tressa Ford and performed by student peers. We'll finish with a reading from John Azinga, presenting a surprising story about a local Kootenai landmark. First
0: up, creative writing alumni Bree Harwood interviews Terry Chu on the conversations he has with his cat.
2: Hey guys, Bree here with an interview I did with writer and author Terry Chu. Although not a Kootenai local, I met Terry through some of the Facebook cat groups I'm a part of, where he regularly writes conversations between himself and his cat. After amassing a large following, he was able to self-publish his first book with wide success. His non-traditional break into authorship and the role social media can play in the arts is definitely interesting. So I'm glad I had a chance to sit down and chat with him about his process, writing, and community. So let's get into it. Hey, um, I'm Bree. I'm here with Terry Chu, the author of the book, and I've Got You, Conversations with My Cat. Um, Sweet. So Terry, why don't we start by having you share a little bit about yourself and your book?
3: I'm Terry. I um, I am located in Southern California uh, in the Los Angeles County area. Um, I co-own a board game cafe and um, on the side, I also do a bit of artwork, uh, do a little bit of writing. Um, so uh, approximately, um, let's say a year and a half ago, um, I collected some writings I had been doing on social media that were uh, literally, conversations with, with my cat came out May of 2020. So, mm-hmm. um, which brings us here.
2: Definitely. Um, man, it must be fun to run a board game cafe. That would be a, like, great job. Um, yeah, okay, so your book, like... It was quite a process, it seemed, at least for me, from the outside, um, kind of getting it published, doing all that. Of course, you were quite prominent on um, cat groups and kind of getting involved in the community there. So what was sort of the process of getting your book out there and published in terms of like editing, marketing, you know, just all that jazz?
3: Kind of odd thing was that uh, it was never intended to um, become a book. It was never intended to to go into into any published form, um, they were literally just social media posts. Um, mm-hmm. I had been writing as sort of conversations between my older cat and mm-hmm. and me, and uh, it, it was all motivated by um, grief over the death of my other cat. They they became a series of musings about um, about life and and family and um, the, the connection we we have to um, our our animals and uh um what that kind of what that might reveal about ourselves uh so um i I started posting these in a couple of cat groups um i I wasn't sure what kind of response they would get or if people would kind of find them too too intimate and too personal so Mm -hmm. i i i I guess my point is i'm not sure i wasn't sure what kind of reaction uh they would provoke. and um i posted these and um uh, some people really seemed to enjoy them and uh, uh a few months had passed and i had um, written enough of them to uh sort of suggest a narrative i started getting the idea of maybe maybe these should be collected if anyone wanted to kind of see them in one place and if anyone would be interested in it as kind of a loose story about um a um sad cat dad and (laughs) his uh, his kitties so um so i collected them and uh kind of went the self-publishing route on Mm -hmm. um, cards and noble and and amazon because it was just kind of at the time most cost-effective way of um getting it out to to an audience
2: cool um actually you know on that note i mean i've been following your stuff on like cat groups for as long as you've been posting it and um, loved the book. It was so like, yeah, so emotional. I remember uh, when I first got it, I like had to put it away for a little while because I'm like, oh, "Oh, this is making me so sad. Like, like I loved it. It was such a deep like experience. What was it like writing something that like, like you said, intimate and emotional?
3: It was actually a fantastic outlet for me because Mm. um, kind of, uh, maybe it's a little paradoxical but um i i'm not an outward, outwardly emotional person in, mm-hmm. in most situations so it became sort of this this space where i could kind of tell these stories mm-hmm. and kind of just relate uh, what what i had been going through um with um issues of grief and family and and um, animal loss so um Kind of seeing it seeing it on the page, though. Um, there was one thing uh, which is posting it to a social media page, seeing it on a printed page. so that mm-hmm. is sort of a different level of of um, wow, it's 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 really real, and I'm kind of committing mm-hmm. it to to uh, to paper. but um i I had a friend who uh, was a very patient and very kind and very honest editor and she she kind of um helped me with some of the process and um uh, putting it together also uh, brought in i guess my previous occupation which was graphic design so um Mm -hmm. because uh i was uh kind of um working mostly in in on my own because i um had a very limited budget so i decided to just do the cover and kind of do the layout on my own um so and there's um there's certainly an upside and a downside to that, um, mm. beyond the writing, it's, it's, it's extra work when, when you do stuff on your own, I think the biggest risk is, um, there's not that critical eye that, and, and outside perspective might, might offer. Yeah. But, um, uh, under the circumstances I, I just kind of dove in and mm-hmm. designed the cover my, cover myself and, um, uh, did the kind of interior art, um, as well. So, so that was kind of, kind of the mm. process
2: hmm. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, for those who haven't like checked out or read the book yet. Um, it was really neat because there was a scattering of like photos between the different sections. There were a few different formats that were done. The majority of it was in um, conversation. Right. But you also wrote a few letters and like a little fairy tale in the b- in the middle. So, yeah, it was the mixed formatting. I don't think it's something we see regularly um, in books. Um, I think it was pretty neat. Actually, on that note, what did you find like the reception of everything? I know because I've seen you do a little bit of work around, um, you know, the fact that we do grieve for our pets. We do create these relationships, especially um, in things like viewing men as, you know, shouldn't be emotional or attached. I or, remember that one article that was going around about like um, men who have photos with their cats get less like um, what swipes right or whatever on dating sites. Um, sure. how do you feel yeah. yeah the reception around sort of that and some of the awareness you've been raising
3: when when I was writing uh, the, the the pieces and putting it together um mm-hmm. it, it, uh, it, it was a very kind of solitary isolating process mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so um, I, I actually hadn't even considered all, all, many of those things um in the process of, of, of writing the story um I was so focused on just kind of finding an interesting way of telling the story of my relationship to these animals. Um, kind of later on, uh, when I had set up kind of the social media pages and uh, people started posting and uh, the conversation started about men and cats and how uh, the, the stereotype is that um, while well, men generally prefer dogs, they, they're they not really uh, cat people or there's if a dude likes cats there there's there's something not right with them so mm-hmm. um, I, I found that all uh, really fascinating mm-hmm. kind of when I had when, when I was able to step out of the personal realm of writing the book so that kind of uh, was a really interesting secondary conversation that mm-hmm. um, I got to have with the audience just the stereotypes and how people perceive um, uh, men who, uh, form, uh, kind of an intense, intense relationships with, with cats, mm-hmm. because stereotypically it's, it's, it's with dogs. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, moving forward, if you were to release another book, um, would you follow the similar sort of conversation format? Um, would you want to do something differently, um, switch it up in some way or what do you think?
3: Um, if, if I were to, to do another uh, attempt at, at a book, um, it, it seems like um, the conversational structure that um, I had used really kind of strikes a chord with, with some audiences. So mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't want to abandon that um, completely. Mm-hmm. I think uh, in the previous kind of written interview we had done, um, we had talked a little bit about in the process of writing, finding a way in with something that accentuates, uh, I, I guess, a unique approach
0: to mm-hmm. to your
3: story. The way I found into into telling these stories was um, kind of finding that intersection between tragedy and cuteness, <laughs> for, mm-hmm. for, for for lack of a better term, yeah. um, uh, or maybe a better term is is whimsy the idea of taking kind of an imaginary conversation you have with, with an animal um, and writing out a whole narrative about that. Um, uh, I I think it has some relationship to, to maybe um, say uh, using, using a a comic book or a a traditionally um, not serious format, but telling kind of a, kind of a more um, layered story. With, mm-hmm. with 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 that kind of approach, so um, I, I I I would hope to kind of at least find an interesting framework, like having conversations with my animals, um, to to continue the story. Uh, one of the um, the best books I read recently was um, In the Dream House by Carmen um, Machado, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: and um, in that book, uh, she relates the story of um, her relationship with with a woman who was was abusive obviously caused a lot of trauma in her life mm. but um my impression in reading the book was uh in order to kind of step out of that story and gain a little distance was um she would bring in things like references to to slasher movies and mm. um and elements of magical realism mm-hmm. and and um little bits of fantasy and and pop songs and um using these um, kind of elements to, to kind of interrogate the idea of, of storytelling, telling different components of the story mm-hmm. um, through these um, kind of other channels. And I, I found that really fascinating um,
2: mm-hmm.
3: because it's an opportunity uh, both surprise the viewer and find different um, levels of meaning in the story. Mm. and the Mm -hmm. opportunity to kind of step out and gain a little distance as well.
2: Mm -hmm. I like it. Um, Cool. Well, I would love to like keep chatting and asking you things, Um, but I think we're kind of coming to the end of our time for the interview. Um, So thank you so much for like sitting down and chatting with um, me and for like all of the people who are going to be listening. Um, Yeah, really nice to actually be able to sit down and actually like have a conversation about some of this stuff. Um, just for like the people listening, um, where would we be able to sort of like find you, seek you out online? Um, I know your books on Amazon, but
3: oh uh, yeah, if you go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble, uh, it's and I've got you conversations with my cat, and um, if uh, you're on social media, it's um, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, conversations with with Jonesy. So um, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll be there if a- anyone wants to drop me a note. Um, it's, I'm pretty easy to find.
2: Sweet. Excellent. Well, thank you again. Um, nice
0: chatting. Wow. What an amazing interview. Although I am quite biased with anything that has to do with cats, and I'd be lying if I said I haven't had similar conversations with mine.
1: Next, we have Street Encounter, a radio play written by Tressa Ford and performed by creative writing students Kathleen Cowley, Andrew Harris, Soleil Leon, and Tressa Ford.
4: Excuse me, young lady. We need to have a word with you.
5: Have you two been following me? Evening, miss. We're constables with the Metropolitan Police. We're investigating smuggling operations in the area.
4: What's your business at these docks? What's a proper lady travelling alone?
5: What are you implying? Just asking questions, miss. What business do you have with Mr Tilson? Who?
4: Don't play dumb. We've seen you sucking about. Close to his establishment, often enough.
2: I live around here, actually. I don't see what gives you the right to.
4: What do you have in your bag there? What
2: business
5: is it of yours? I think you'll find the Governor's new law on smuggling does make it our business. If you could just hand over the bag. Is there a problem here, gentlemen?
4: Ah, uh, Mr. Tilson, good of you to join us.
5: I
6: was told that your people wouldn't be following me about anymore. Are you making the dear superintendent out to be a
5: liar? No, no, of course not. We're not here for you. We're just-
4: We're here just following up on one of your associates. It's not safe for a pretty young thing like her to be out alone at this time. Rising crime, smugglers, thieves, anything could happen. We were seeing that she made it home.
6: As much as I applaud your chivalry, I'm afraid you gentlemen are mistaken. I am not acquainted with this woman.
4: Really? Your, our reports have seen her hanging about your building often.
6: My dear constable, why you insist on spending so much police resources obsessing over a simple cut flower merchant is baffling to me. Your people searched my whole building from attic to basement last week and didn't find a hair out of place. The superintendent cleared me himself. I know. Because I ordered a new shipment of police uniforms the other day, just to show my gratitude. We can't have the city's renowned lawkeepers walking
5: about in shabby uniforms now, can we?
4: Oh, I've just about had it with your brides, you damn cro-
5: Excuse my partner, Mr. Tilson. So you're telling us this lady hanging around your building most evenings is just a coincidence?
6: We do have a lovely view of the harbour where I'm at.
5: Do You paint, miss. Sketch actually.
6: Sketching, of course. You see, Constable, nothing odd about an artist hanging around the docks. Lord knows this city needs more of a tourist draw. And how do you go thinking she's an artist? The smudge marks on her palms. I admit to enjoying the occasional penny-dreadful
5: detective serial, and such deductive reasoning was featured in an issue last week. Hmm. Suppose that makes sense. But considering the governor's new law on smuggling, and the force having made enforcing it our top priority... Marvelous job you chaps have been doing, by the way. Thank you. As I was saying, our intelligence suggests that criminals are using these docks to smuggle regulated drugs and medicines without paying customs. Seeing you don't know her, I can't vouch for this lady's character. You understand it's reasonable precaution for us to search her bag? By all means. Don't I get a say in this? You have nothing to fear if the bag is clean.
4: Let's see what we find.
6: Careful with those. Those are some fine drawing pencils, gentlemen. No need to be careless with them.
4: Don't tell me what to do.
6: Surprise, surprise, a sketchbook. Shut up. Eau de
5: Gleil, you have a fine taste in perfume. Thank you.
4: And what's this?
5: Identification documents. Violet Emerson, that you? Is the picture not convincing enough?
4: It's empty.
5: Ah, so there you have it, gentlemen.
6: Some drawing pencils, a bottle of fragrance, and identification documents. No illicit substances to be found. Can I go now? I don't see why not. Marvellous. And, seeing how you are busy folk, keeping our streets safe, I can take over escorting this promising young artist the rest of her way. The sunset is magnificent this evening. May I, Miss Emerson? You may. A fine evening to you, gentlemen.
4: You won't always be so lucky, Tilson. Watch yourself.
6: I always do, my dear constable. I always do. Always some excitement with you, Violet. And how are your dear sisters?
2: Keeping themselves busy, as always. They send their regards. And the list of potential buyers that you requested.
6: Marvelous to hear. Do you have the list with
2: you? Sewed into the lining in my bag. I'm not an amateur.
6: My friend, I wouldn't dare to suggest
2: otherwise. May I treat you to dinner? In a minute, yes. But after all that... I think I would like to watch the sunset for a moment.
1: What a fun piece to listen to, all those sound effects and dramatic voices really made the piece come alive. I felt like I was right there in the room.
0: Next, we have a piece from creative writing student John Izinga, presenting his own spin on the creation of a local landmark, as well as a touching tribute to the legacy of renowned Cooney artist, John Cooper.
7: Okay, well, good evening. I have a little explanation about Toad Rock before I tell this story. When you drive six kilometers past the Balfour Ferry, going up to uh, Keslow, just before the road dips down into Coffee Creek, there's a big eight foot high rock beside the road on the left. It's not a smooth boulder, but it has an odd sloping shape. We all drove by this rock countless times but it was John Cooper with his unique artist view of the world who saw that the rock was actually a petrified toad. So, toad rock is one of the things that Coop liked to paint over and over and over. So it became a local known, well-known local landmark. The Toad Rock Motorcycle Campground is blessed with its proximity. And the many campers from all over North America has spread the name of Toad Rock far and wide across the entire continent. Thank you, John Cooper. Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. On the first day, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good. For the next six days, God labored mightily and created all that we know and love. On the evening of the sixth day, God looked out over his creation and saw a beautiful green earth teeming with an amazing variety of swimming, crawling, leaping, flying, walking creatures. God saw that his creation was good, proclaimed it finished, and commanded all its living creatures to sing his praises. But unknown to even God, There was a glitch. On a small narrow strip of earth wedged between two towering mountain ranges had been overlooked. There was a raw, ugly scar of primeval rock, mud and ooze across the face of God's green, new green earth. Loki, the imperfect angel left over from another creation, the sly one, the trickster, was the cause of this oversight. Loki had drawn a veil of mist over this valley lying at the foot of a tall pyramid-shaped mountain, which he had chosen as his own. Thus it was that the fallen angel Loki caused God to miss this small piece of earth in his flurry of creation. Many eons later, an exceedingly large, old and grumpy toad with leathery, wordy skin, was thinking that his home had become much too crowded. One morning, Brighton early left the sunny valley of the Slocan, and made his way one hop at a time across a low mountain pass, and descended into a thick, gray veil of mist. Since toads are quite okay given to dank and wet places, this was okay with the toad. When the toad in his descent finally broke through the veil of mist he saw a scene of utter desolation. Below lay an absolutely bleak landscape with no trees, no flowers, no bird songs, no life of any kind. It was only a great, grey silence. However, since aesthetics is not a big part of his toady nature, he was just fine with this. he merely looked at the lifeless emptiness of the valley and croaked, mine, all oh mine. He was, after all, quite a grumpy, greedy old toad. Weeks later, a gloomy, weary, foot and very hungry toad decided he'd gone far enough. He just took his last creaky hop, stopped, and just sat. His, amici- his warty skin hung loose over his emaciated body, He had not seen, let alone eaten, a single living bug in weeks. He longed for a single ray of sunlight. It's a very toadish, untoad-like impulse. The toad looked over the bleak and empty landscape with new eyes and saw only a great sameness of rock and mud. Below him, the mud merged into a large, flat body of thick, wet, gray ooze. As far as the eye could see, nothing moved in this sunless, colorless landscape. The toad uttered a great croaking rump and broke the eternal silence of this place and gave voice to his despair. He says, who is this God who proclaimed his creation was beautiful and good and complete and would have us sing his praises forever? I live and starve in this desolation, this veil of death. I will sing no such praises to a God he cannot even finish what he started. High in the heavens, God heard a solitary voice raised against him and said, Who dares to utter such unseemly words? Who dares to speak against God? He searched his creation, moving clouds here, and a little bit of mists there, until he saw a most miserable, thin, warty toad sitting in the mud in the midst of the unfinished valley. God gathered his energies, leaned forward, his right arm extending down from the heavens, uh, his index finger pointed to the very middle of the valley, a bolt of lightning flashed in an instant. The entire valley turned green with trees and grass and flowers and birds. The flat, great mass of mud and ooze turned into a beautiful blue crystal clear lake. The sounds of creation filled the air as legions of birds and animals and insects swarmed over the land. The sun burst through the gloom and flooded the newly created valley with a radiant and golden light. And this valley was complete and beautiful beyond all his other creations. God had learned a thing or two about creating since his last efforts. The toad sat in the new green grass, dumb, struck dumb in sheer amazement. God moved his finger ever so slowly until it pointed directly at the toad. The toad gulped once, a jagged bolt of light shot from the end of the pointed finger, and the bug-eyed toad instantly turned to hard gray granite. God was still kind of a youthful God at the time, and he wasn't good with criticism yet. this day, that outspoken toad sits in stony silence looking out over Kootenai Lake, at lasting tribute to the creation of the Kootenais, a monument to those who speak out against authority. Overbearing authorities. Thank you.
0: It's always a pleasure to hear John's sense of humor in his dramatic reading. What a lovely modern fable to end the podcast on.
1: And that's going to be all for now, folks.
0: An enormous thank you to everyone who contributed to our episode today. If you like what you heard, you can find a lot of their work on our website, BlackBearReview.ca.
1: And extra special thanks to the Kootenai Band, the Hilties, for the use of their songs Hocus Pocus and Ride the Wave. You can find their recent album Sunshine at thehilties.bandcamp.com. That's spelled H-I-L-L-T-I-E-S. Go check them out and support local music talent.
0: And thanks to everyone who helped out in the producing of this episode, especially Tressa Ford, Kathleen Cowley, Andrew Harris, to Lily Loin, Brie Harwood for her interview, Karina Custom for being a team player, Geoff Gibbs for sound editing, Johnny Zinga, Cody Bruner for student talent recruitment and hosting, Lisa Dean and Renee Harper, our faculty advisors, Tara May Box, our managing editor and co-host, and Treza Ford for the script.
1: If you want to read your own work on our podcast, don't hesitate. You can send your pieces to blackbearview at gmail.com. That's blackbearview at gmail.com, all one word, with a subject line, podcast guest reader submission.
0: And don't forget to check out our page, blackberryreview.ca, for all your Kootenai poetry, fiction, and nonfiction and art needs. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram.
1: And of course, join us again next episode for more amazing conversations and performances. We're so excited to share another season of inspiration and artistic expression when we meet again.
0: Goodbye for now. Be safe out there. Be kind, be resilient, and never stop being creative.
4: I said, who's gonna let it pop?